Welcome back, everyone. The DVR Podcast Network presents The Film List, Solo 1K. You got a list, send it to me, thefilmlist.gmail.com. I'm, my, I'm your host. I was going to say I'm my host. I'm my own host, Heath Solo here, <laughs> counting down my favorite 1,000 films of all time. And that little giggle in the background is <laughs> needs no introduction. My partner in crime during uh, this time going through all these films and going on this adventure with me is Ando. Ando, welcome back. Yeah, you know, I, I, I have to get, I've been, I'm hurting a little bit, actually. I'm real, real sore. I've been practicing riding Mechanical Bull all week at my local bar. I, I think I'm <laughs> at a Houston bar podcast. or your local yeah. bar? No, but just my local bar, you know, just, I, I got to get ready for the big leagues in Houston. So, so yeah, if, if hey. I just drop out or start screaming in pain, it's because my old body can't handle this anymore. So, uh, my buddy, Joe, he, we, we have this bar here in LA. This, I mean, this is like probably 15 years ago. It's called Saddle Ranch on Sunset Boulevard. And they had, we used to have one at Universal too. Um, and so he he did the mechanical bull. <laughs> he screwed up his groin so bad oh. for like two years. His oh. groin. He was even looking at infomercials like they had those pulsating like pads in the machine, <laughs> to, you know, to pulse. He goes, maybe that'll help my groin. I mean, he screwed his groin up for years. Uh, so anyway, I just you know, we talked off air about you know we'll try to be. I mean, we went like two and a half hours last week. Um, <laughs> It was the first time you and I did the pod together alone, and we just it, I think it's, it's getting rave time, reviews. I think it, I think it's actually the first time you and I have recorded just a podcast of any kind, but just the two of us on it. I think so because we had done a ton so. with Brett. I want to say Axel there was and, one, but maybe not. I don't. I want to well, say there was maybe. one, but probably not. If it, we maybe did, it was Axel like an emergency thing. We just oh yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, that is. Or happening. maybe Axel left, and maybe that's yeah. why. But um, well, I say we got rave reviews, Axel. Uh, <laughs> said it was a great pod. so that's a rave review to me um but no this is a lot of fun um me and axel did one and then you and you and uh you and ando you and axel did one when i was in check and then you and i last week and we really kind of i liked it because it, i mean it was just fun but it was just i don't know it's like when you can talk to someone about your favorite films, there's some things you forget, or I love hearing what other people think, whether they hate it or not, mm -hmm. you know, that cause it's understandable. I'm, cause I, once again, I caveat, these aren't the best films of all time, though. There's a lot of them in here. I think are some of the best all time, but if, if you listen to last week where we stopped at nine seventy one. There were some interesting uh, films like <laughs> Red Surf and Blown Away. Uh, Nicole Egger. Hey, mentioned Nicole Egger on a pod two weeks in a row. But Ando, you know what? If you if if people who are listening could go to patreon.com slash DVR, and for a couple bucks a month, you become a patron. You get exclusive pods, our whole catalog, and pods much earlier than everyone else, ad-free. And it helps um, keep the, just keeps the to, lights on here, too. Allows for bandwidth and all that yes. stuff for Axel to put all of our ramblings up on the internet. Well, with, when, when Axel is moving to fortitude in the Arctic, so he's going to need a generator. So he's got to oh, pay for right. it. Uh, so yeah. he can podcast from there. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, you, you could go to page, uh, not uh, DVR podcast.com and check out our catalog there too. We covered game of Thrones, Westworld, mind Hunter, a true detective murder at the end of the world. Tons Better and call tons Saul. of odds. Just TV better. Oh, that's right. I forgot I did. We did that. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Better Call Saul and and a lot of uh, random like TV catch up pods where we'll talk about a movie and shows, which is some of my favorite to do when you just like organically just say, what have you been watching? And recently uh, with with our good friends, one Mike, uh, Jenny, Gina, Axel, me and you. Am I for- I'm not forgetting it because Joe Bear was on the mid season. Yeah, uh, we 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 talk about our top 10 favorite TV shows of 2023. That's a nice pod because you really do get a, you know, get everyone's different tastes and stuff. And then when everyone's talking about reality TV, I just take a break, go to the bathroom, get a drink. <laughs> Me too. Know. Oh, and don't forget, we also <laughs> do plenty of NFL pods that you and I are oh, yes. with Brett and Axel as well. The four of us. So. Around the couch. Yes. Check that out. All right. Enough of this crap. Oh, before, uh, before one other thing, before we get too far away, we do have uh, one other review from Facebook. Anthony said he just listened to the first three casts. Good listens, exclamation point. So Anthony is listening to us. Uh, nice. That's for us. And he has a comment for one of the films we're going to talk about tonight. So we can get to that later. Oh, cool. All right, Anthony. That's what I like. And, you know, as the audience grows, please, on the fa- our Facebook page, which what what is the is it DVR podcast TV and film uh, what was daily it daily DVR a, t- a TV and film podcast so if you just look for daily DVR I think okay. it's the first result that comes up yeah and daily DVR is our main hub and then we have offshoots of daily DVR for patrons and different pods but yeah daily DVR is the main and you can go to Facebook and um Axel actually had an idea where he was kind of putting up the list early <laughs> so if you're if you're there, if you're in the Facebook group, you'll see what's coming out early, and then you can kind of get your comments, and we'll read them on the air and all that. All right, you you want to you want to start this again, Ando? You sure? Yeah, you, sure you know you I'm, I'm I'm ready to dive into the deep waters with the first one. Well, all right. Speaking of diving in the deep water, nine seventy two. All right, we're getting the fourth episode of Solo One K. Nine seventy two is a movie where. A group of scientists exploring the marina's trench encounter the largest marine predator that has ever existed, the Megalodon. The movie is called The Meg. It was released on August 10th, 2018. Directed by John Turtletob. Stars Jason Statham. Bing Bing Lee. Rain Wilson. Cliff Curtis. There's a little Ruby Rose in there. The Meg. All right. So... (laughs) I love very, shark I, movies. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm curious to know why you have this on here, but I think I have a feeling. So continue. Sorry. Okay. Well, there's one you won't know. The re- One of the main reasons why, but I'm going to give you the first reasons. I mean, I, I just wanted to see Jason Statham dropkick a great white or Megalodon, <laughs> and he kind of does in the movie. He kind of does. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love shark movies. They're my guiltiest pleasure of them all. Um, even bad ones, I will watch them, but like Cruel Jaws and all those crazy. What was the one you had me movies. watch a couple of weeks ago that was on Prime? That was just Cruel Jaws. Oh, that was Cruel. Yeah, the, the okay, worst. Could... Yeah, the, the worst movie of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so you did watch it, right? Yes. On, well, on Prime, you saw. I, Hulk Hogan I made it halfway through, and then I finally like, what am I doing with my life? And turned it off. So. <laughs> research. <laughs> yeah, research. Exactly. Research. Okay. This is why I have the Meg on. And actually, I, I'm undecided if I like the Meg 2 more or not. But um, the Meg, I, in my life, I need every so often great shark movies. 
or at least a decent like deep blue sea is one of my not counting jaws deep blue sea is one of my favorite shark movies and that'll be way later on the list also recently i love the shallows that's another movie i thought yeah. was really well done yeah um but the meg it was just like how do you you, you can't redo jaws you just can't do it it, it i mean well, uh, jaws is top movie of mine and it, it i it, it, you can't redo it but how do they kind of reinvent it and and i just thought this movie was a lot of fun it, it was crazy with <laughs> There's a lot of people off the coast of China there, and the, the Megalodon's <laughs> just coming for them um, and taking people out. But the thing is, it was the summer of 97. I was spending a month in Florida before I moved out to L.A., and I bought the book Meg by Steve Alton, and I read the book that summer. I'm not going to say it was the greatest book. It, I it didn't do anything for me narratively necessarily, but it felt, it almost felt like he wrote the book because he knew he was going to make a script to make a movie. I don't know. It was kind of like, <laughs> well, one of the, one of the trivia bits I had from this is it was, it like you said, it was published in 97 and it was supposed to come. Disney bought up the rights to it right away, but deep blue sea came out in 99 and right. it got put onto the back burner and it took 20, 20 more years before it actually came out. So 20 more years. Yep. And so I, you know, I would see movies like Megalodon. I'm like, is that the Meg? Is that the Meg? No. Okay. Cause I was like, I was so excited. I read a book before a movie came out. It was like, want to be the first one. You wanted and, to be the uh, snappy book reader. It never happened. Age. Yeah. For once I wanted to be a snappy book reader. <laughs> um, but no, when this came out, I had so much fun. I didn't see it in the theater. I actually watched it at home, but I just, I enjoy, this is guilty pleasure shark movie, but to get Jason Statham, who I freaking love, um, I, it just, it fit for, it fit for me. And it just, it's, it's a fun movie. It's batshit crazy. It's some good humor. It's kind of, I love the underwater concept. Like it just freaks you out. Like being underwater, like in Jaws 3D kind of yeah, at SeaWorld. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was just, it's a lot of fun. I like this movie. It's a guilty pleasure that, you know, kind of arrives here in the 900s on my list. And so, yeah, I mean, it made $145 million on a $130 million budget. You can tell they had, you know, they have some ch- a major Chinese actress in it. And you can tell that, you know, they have a lot of Chinese actors at certain point in the film. So it was definitely probably a duel uh, to get funding. So it probably yeah, I think was there was pretty some big, big things there, with, I would think. Yeah, Chinese credits and stuff because you can you there was a time period there like Transformers franchise did it too where they would add them in because there was some incentives I think to I'm sure budgetary to get some of that get a more diverse cast in for sure especially in Yeah, the yeah, Chinese I mean China's market. the biggest yeah. yeah, the Chinese market's the biggest market there is, and, right? So I mean, honestly, movies like this, or like I said, Transformers, kind of, they kind of translate into any language. The, the dialogue is not usually very important in these kind of movies, so it's perfect right, for that kind right. of thing. This isn't going to win best yeah. screenplay by any means. So, no, no, the book is definitely better, <laughs> as, as, as most people say. Uh, I, I, I can say that, but no, I, I really enjoyed this movie. It's a guilty pleasure movie on my list. Yeah, I remember, I think I saw it when, yeah, I don't have a lot to say. I mean, we saw it, we watched it after it came on, I think HBO or something like, or Netflix, whichever one it came on to, and 
my wife is also a big we're both my wife and I are both big Jaws fans and my wife is just a big animal fan in general and she just loves shark movies as well not quite to the depths that you are with cruel jaws and psycho shark or whatever the other <laughs> one is called but yeah yeah the so, japanese jaws yes and i mean and deep blue sea too and, yeah oh yeah, yeah all of those movies yeah sharknado yeah yes so we watched it as a and it i've was yet fun. to see it's, the sharknados though i've yet oh, to see the sharknados i watched the first I mean, one and I, you know what you're getting yeah yeah it's exactly I, you know what you're getting there uh-huh yeah. So yeah, like like you um, said, you described it perfectly. It, it's it's fun for what it is. It's not going to win any awards. It's not any. It's. I mean that this is the one that uh, that the one we actually got comment from on Anthony too. He said, "I turned the Meg off." Decent, <laughs> decent can't even be bothered at the moment, guys. <laughs> but he is it. he is I looking forward it. to listening to the pod. So, all right, good, good. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not saying this movie. This is just a Heath guilty pleasure. Um, I know what I'm getting when I go in, and that's what I want. That's what I want. It's what it's like. It's like re, like someone's reality show for me. Yep. Like what the trash they get. The way yep. my wife watches Six Hundred Pound Sisters and Ninety Day Fiance. <laughs> this for me, Meg is the Meg is is for me. That's that's my reality TV. And you um, said the second one was is about the same. I've never I haven't watched the second one. I think it just came out last year, didn't it? Se- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, it came out, I believe, on HBO Max. Oh, it's prob- yeah. probably where. Yeah, I don't know if both are on there still, but that's when the Meg Two because I didn't get to see it in the theater, and then it was out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I thought the Meg Two was actually pretty good. Uh, mm. it, it goes more. It's you know, it go- the Meg Two goes more. There's other things going on, uh, other storylines versus just. So it's kind of, I, I thought for a sequel, they did a really good job. Um, I'm sure Anthony will turn it off, that one off, before it even starts. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're probably I, right. Yeah, so, I don't blame I, them. Trust I don't me. have but, anything else to say about Meg unless you do. Nah, let's move on. Let's move on. It's on the list. That's all yes. I'm going to say. All right. 971 is a film I saw... I believe it was on in the nineties on HBO. We had like, I think before we had HBO, you know how sometimes you get a free preview and I would record Mm -hmm. every movie. Well, this was one of them. (laughs) Uh, When a young female doctor notices an unnatural amount of comas occurring in her hospital, she uncovers a horrible conspiracy directed by Michael Crichton, written by Michael Crichton. The film released January 6th, 1978 coma. Stars, great cast here, folks. Michael Douglas, Richard Widmark, Rip Torn, Lois Childs, uh, who was was in what, what movie was she in? In my other, she, she was the one that in Moonraker when last week when we said that's right, she's oh, in Moonraker yes, and she's going to appear in another movie. I thought we might get to coma last week, so yes, when I saw right. her because I had I hadn't seen this movie till a couple weeks ago. I, I didn't even really know it existed. So I, when oh, I tracked it okay. down and saw it, and, I, and that's when she popped up, I'm like, holy shit, she's in this? I mean, it's not a very big role that she has, but yes, she's in right. it, as well as a few other people you can. Yeah, Tom Selleck, our and, yeah, favorite Magnum P.I., Tom Selleck. You got the mom from Growing Pains, Joanna Kearns as Diane. <laughs> and do you want to name the, <laughs> yes, and the hit of them all? Shockingly, playing pathology resident number two, who has maybe a... 30-second scene, Ed Harris with full head of hair. 
I didn't even recognize it was him. I hear his voice. I'm like, holy shit, is that Ed Harris? And sure enough, it is Ed Harris. So, yes. So I didn't realize it wasn't a Michael Crichton book. It was based on the novel by Robin Cook, but Crichton wrote the screenplay and directed it. Yes. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, so I'm going to I'm gonna lean on you. I'm going to Morgan Freeman you and lean on you. Lean on me. Um, <laughs> because I remember watching it, and I was so like, I was like, young Michael Douglas. I was mm-hmm. like, this is so cool. It's a little sci-fi-ish going on. It's this conspiracy. And I freaking loved it. And I, you know, I have to, I don't know if it's out on Blu-ray or not. I'm, I may have to purchase this. It was, I probably I should have watched it before the pod. But Well, and I couldn't, the only way I even found, it wasn't streaming anywhere. I don't even know if I could find it to rent. I found it chopped up on YouTube into five minutes. Somebody had put it up on the whole, the whole thing in five minute clips and it was in a playlist. So oh, no. it would play five no. minutes. And, but I mean, the whole movie was there, but it was, and this movie is, I'm surprised it hasn't gotten more. It just kind of is one of those movies that's been forgotten by time, I think, because I mean, there was a, there was a period in my, especially in the nineties, Jurassic park, that era where I was a massive Michael Crichton fan. I mean, I read everything he ever did. Oh yeah. We talked about the sphere and all that. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So, and this is definitely when I was watching it, I, I got sucked into it. It's not a, it's not top tier, but it definitely has that seventies paranoia conspiracy theory kind of feel to it that a lot of movies yeah, do that are in that. So yeah. it's, I, I actually really got sucked into it. It's a little bit dated at this point, but it's, I mean, it, it was actually quite, by the end of the movie, I was, I was into it. I was much more, more so than I thought, but it's, it also has that slower seventies feeling to it. The, other cast member that I should at least name because I don't really know her from anything else. And she is really the star is Genevieve Bujold or Bujold. I'm not oh, sure yeah, how you say yeah. her name. Uh, and Genevieve she is, Bujold. yeah, she is, she is the star and she is really, really good in this too. And it, and yeah, it's, she's it, good. it's one of those, who do you trust? How can I trust? And it, it goes into some cool sci-fi things. If anybody ever watched uh Westworld, not the, I mean, obviously the TV series is based on it, but the movie Westworld, which was a Michael Crichton, directed and written movie as well it has a lot of those same it feels like westworld in a lot of ways it's not right right it's not as sci-fi as what westworld is obviously but it's still but there's still some sci-fi stuff in there and it's i I was pleasantly surprised with it it was it was not not a not terrible but i mean it wasn't like i said it's not no all the president's men kind of 70s paranoia stuff that's all time great but it's not not at that level but I wasn't unhappy yeah. that I watched it when I finished finished it. So I guess that's that's saying something for the movie coming in at 971. Yeah, this this is kind of like in my category of in the 90s when I kind of was high school into film school at college, starting to discover a lot of films. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those I discovered. And if you watch it in the 90s as like a 20-year-old, a 19, 20-year-old kid, it's still like, yeah, it's not pulp fiction, but it, it yeah. it's got that date datedness of the seventies to it, but you're still not as far removed from the seventies as you are now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, forty-five years later or whatever. Yes, I um, know all this, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, I just realized uh yeah. Wow. Uh so <laughs> I'm definitely um yeah, the, okay. I remember then a few years ago, I was trying to find it and it's nowhere. I got to, it may, you know, it might come on like an HBO or an AMC or something. That's yeah. probably where you got to find this movie. If you don't want to do the five minute, uh, per, yeah, per it's, on YouTube. 
I, I will I'll look here just a second because I've got a thing that can say where it is. But I remember when I looked it up because it was when I saw what it was about and who the cast was, I was really intrigued. And then it just it's like I say it's almost impossible right. to find. Yeah. I'm surprised it's not out. Like well, and I can't even that's interesting. I mean, Let's... and normally when stuff is like that, when you can't find it, it's because it's like music rights or something. And okay, it's available to rent mm. on Apple TV for four bucks. But otherwise it's oh, not, okay. not available anywhere else. Oh. Not not streaming yeah, anywhere, which is yeah, it's four yeah. bucks. So, and if I would have known, I would. If I thought I was going to like it as much as I did, I probably would have just paid the four bucks. But I was like, uh, right. seventy. I mean, and especially since you had it rated this low, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know if it's. But say, I thought it was a fun fun watch. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I rated it around here because I haven't seen it in a while, especially. Mm-hmm. But I, I, just how I enjoyed it and. It's not because I haven't watched it in so long. I don't feel I can put it up high higher. Yeah. Um, but I know if I rewatched it, it would. It's probably like you know what, it fits here. Well, and part of the fun. All is, right. Part of the, what I will say one other thing. Part of the fun of this one is like the Tom mm-hmm. Selleck and Ed Harris. Was people, a lot of these people show up in just very bit parts, and it's obvious this was before Tom Selleck was Magnum and before Ed Harris was who Ed Harris becomes, and so you get little clips of these people yeah. way before they're famous. So it's always I always enjoy seeing that to see it and like with Tom Selleck, you instantly could tell just by watching the little clip. You're like, oh, that's Tom Selleck. He already was the guy. I'm sure. I'm guessing. And then there's a reason why he became a star, and you can even see it in that two minute clip that he's in in the movie. So it's fun for that reason. Yeah, it's tough though with that because we know Tom Selleck, and now well, you see that's him. true. Yeah. So it you you know, but I mean, yeah, no, Tom Selleck is fan. I love Tom Selleck, but. It, it is interesting because there's people like a Tom Selleck, like you said, Ed Harris, a Michael Douglas, where when we started watching movies young and stuff, they were already established. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a time where you could just go back and watch it, everything they've done. It, it was a different way of watching things. Yeah. You, I mean, it wasn't till unless, you know, like my dad and I doing the bonds, renting the bonds in the eighties, but it really didn't happen till the nineties where I really got into older films um yeah. it was more recent stuff and sometimes if something was on, like a jaws technically i mean i still kind of started watching when i'm probably when i was six or seven so i was b- born that year so um i hadn't you know that that's one of my childhood movies but it was, had been out for seven years already or whatever <laughs> but um so yeah to really see movies work because there's a great other mo- movie that it's called the onion field and it's got Ted Danson's got a small, but major role. Oh yeah. Um, in it. And it's like him and the are like, Oh shit, that's Ted Danson. You know, I had to read so that book back in movies. college. I've never seen the movie. That's interesting. I didn't know that. They, I didn't even know there was a movie. I'll have to check that out. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. No, but uh, you know, Genevieve won best actress, sat an award. Oh, she was a nominee for best actress. So yeah, so far the Megan Coleman didn't win too many awards. Ando. Yeah, that's well. You know what? I, I, there was another. Th- I, I can mention it quickly here. There was another thing while I was thinking of some of these movies that we're not going to talk much about. And I remember finding somebody last week. I don't remember who it was that I was talking about that ends up becoming a really big person or somebody that I, I found a few things here and there where I can pull somebody else out that's more of a maybe not an actor but somebody behind the scenes that everybody knows for another cool reason mm-hmm. to watch. The score for this was done by Jerry Goldsmith, who is one of the all-time oh, wow. greatest composers. Planet of the Apes. Chinatown, Alien, Star Trek, Poltergeist, Gremlins, Did Hoosiers. Did you uh, interview with the vampire? 
Uh, I think he did. I don't. I didn't put Dinner with the Vampire so. on there, but I think you're right. Well, it's so, okay. But a lot of people like to forget that movie, anyway. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of underrated. But Patton was another yeah, one. Of his, so oh. it's. I, I, it's kind of, wow. I think it's kind of cool to find things like that too because I, I saw his name on the score and the score is another reason that, that it's good. So, anyways, that's I don't really have anything else about Como, but it's uh, I was a pleasant surprise for me when I watched it here a couple weeks ago. Cool, <laughs> you know, you're ded- dedicated, man. Going YouTube in five minute clips. I, I don't know if uh, <laughs> well, I I, I had the that. YouTube hooked up to my TV in my office, so it and. I was. I should say this. I was doing something else on my computer, some bookwork or something. So I kind of, and I had the playlist set so I could just play constantly, and it was just kind of playing. So I kind of was. I wasn't full attention till about halfway through, and I started really getting into it. So, and I, it wasn't like I was sitting down like I'm going to devote all my attention to it right away. So that that can also right. says a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to number nine seventy. Uh, it was released June sixth, nineteen eighty. Uh, it is directed by James Bridges, Paper Chase, China Syndrome, Perfect, written by James Bridges and Aaron Latham. Bud is a young man from the country, learns about life and love in a Houston bar. And I mentioned he was riding the bull, getting ready at his local bar, and yes, he was. The movie, <laughs> the film, Urban Cowboy, uh, stars Johnny Travolta as Bud Davis, Deborah Winger as Sissy, Scott Glenn as Wes Hightower. You got Madeline Smith Osborne, James Gammon, uh, Barry Coburn, Corbin, sorry, and Jerry Hall as Sexy Sister. <laughs> All right. So I don't know if this is the last great uh, John Travolta movie before he went into his 80s slump. <laughs> um, we, we, might be ta- we, we might be talking about another John Travolta movie later tonight. That's that true. That's 88 or 89, probably. Yes. So this, this is the one I think before this, because I think he did Staying Alive after this, and that kind of bombed the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, this this and kind I, of was the end of his first major, major comeback. First like, major run, yeah. In 75, Welcome Back, Cotter. 76, Carrie. 77, Saturday Night Fever. 78, Grease. And then in 80, Urban Cowboy. So he had, was on a huge hot streak coming into this. Yeah. Movie. And Deborah Winger was like, the biggest star of a female star. And then she jumped off a cliff. I yeah. Mean, and this, this was kind of her breakout. She even had a, what was it? A BAFTA nominee for outstanding newcomer for this. And then terms of endearment right after this officer and a gentleman right after this. Yeah. She was, and then yeah, yeah. like nothing after that. Yeah. Black widow, I think. Black oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. She had other things, but nothing that hit to the, but yeah, to no, I know. <laughs> I just, I just yeah. realized late night at my buddy's place watching black widow. Uh, probably didn't understand the lick of it when I was like six, seven. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so it, you know, you kind of Travolta's got a kind of the McConaughey vibe, <laughs> you know, That's, yes, the, the, the cowboy hat, the kind of you know, Texas thing. Um, it's just one of those, again, one of those movies. I, I didn't watch it till later in life, I want to say early 2000s is when I first because, um. One of my one of my uh, regulars at a bar. This guy, uh, his nickname's Chick. He worked on this film. He was uh, he worked in transport, and at the time he was working on the the show Crossing Jordan, and uh, had just done Nash Bridges for an uh, Island of the Doctor Moreau that movie. Oh, oh! And so he was telling me about Urban Cowboy and like you know all the stories and stuff. I don't remember half of them. This was twenty years ago, 
uh, maybe even actually 22 years ago. But I remember then, you know, watching the film and just getting into it. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a fun movie. Now, have you seen this film? Uh, this was another one I two or three weeks ago. It's on streaming on Paramount Plus right now. And I had never, ah, I had okay. never, I obviously knew what, well, I thought I had an opinion of what it would probably was. And my opinion was kind of confirmed. I mean, I remember it being the Travolta rides the, rides the Bronco thing. So I did, <laughs> I, or the, the mechanical bull, I should say, but I, I had definitely had not seen it before. I thought I had, but I had not seen it. So it was, I don't, it was, I thought it was kind of a strain. It's like halfway between something like all the right moves and roadhouse. And it doesn't yes, go all the way yeah. into either one. It's like it's <laughs> no, it, it, has, it doesn't go crazy over the top like Roadhouse, like Patrick Swayze ripping people's throats out. But it has yeah. some of that stuff, and then it also has all the angsty stuff of all the right moves and some of those early cruise movies. But it doesn't quite go all the way in either direction. So it was kind of a, I don't know. It's I thought it was fine. I didn't love it though. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, and it's one that kind of gets lost. I think in the Travolta movies, and I think, um, I think it's one of those movies where when people saw it, they liked it, mm-hmm. and then years later, you're like, oh yeah, Urban Cowboy. But if you watch it now for the first time, God, there's that's what's tough. There's just been so much stuff that we've seen. I mean, if you watch this movie in '88 versus yeah, you know oh, 2024. Yeah your opinions might be different. And unfortunately there's a lot of movies where I loved as a kid or whatever, or, you know, a point in my life. And then I didn't like it later on when I saw it, I was like, wow, that wasn't as good as I remember. Yeah. And this This one, because I came late to it, but I had the hype because I I know my parents watched it and it was a big movie when I was young. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I dig it and I, I, I like the acting in it and I like, I like Travolta, uh, so uh, Urban Cowboys, uh, you know, and it, the, it, it, it's definitely a niche. <laughs> and I like, think it's, like, I think it's one. I like to say I didn't see it earlier, obviously, but I don't think it has really probably aged that well. I mean, Travolta right. in this is a real asshole in this, and I mean, I had never yeah, heard. That's probably that he why was, I liked it so much. Well, I hadn't. I had never heard that he was an asshole in this. I had just heard it was a Travolta being, and there's, I mean, like he's. He's throwing Deborah Winger around a few times and just slapping the shit out of her. Well, yeah, it's, some of that stuff. I'm like, ooh, this is a little. But I mean, that's also. I mean, that's the t- that's the time that it was made. So it's. I mean, that's. I, I don't fault the movie for that necessarily being that's the way it was made. So that's. Why I'm I'm curious to know what people think about it now if they rewatch it because it's. It definitely yeah. has some things that you wouldn't see. I mean, you would, but he's he's that he's the hero of the movie, and normally the hero of the movie isn't. Slap, slapping around the lead actor. I mean, but early Bond. Well, that and that's too, the thing. So. One of my all-time favorite films, The Getaway, which we'll talk about in a few years, probably. The way <laughs> yes. we're going. Um, McQueen slaps Ali McGraw. Mm-hmm. I mean, he slaps her, and but in nineteen, you know, seventy-one or whatever. Yeah. I mean, not saying that was the right thing to do to to a female, yeah, but it's it, like you wouldn't get that now. At yeah, it's, all, it's like it the just, early Connery bonds are the same way, where that's that same kind of yeah. thing happens all the time. And it's, they say, I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not endorsing it, but I'm also like, I know it's a product. Every movie or every TV show is a product of the time it's made. Yeah, that's, I, it's tough. Yeah, that that's kind of like, I mean, there's movies I'll like that 
I'm not going to like every second of them. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I, exactly. I, I remember right. seeing that. And I was like, okay, all right, Travolta. But you know, it, I think it's more for me, the, the ambiance of the movie and just kind of like the small town kind of, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just that, that whole, that whole concept, um, you know, trying to make it in does, life relationships. It gets a lot of the, even though a lot of it takes place mostly in Houston, it does kind of have a small town feel to it that actually feels kind of like a small, that bar they were in, spend most of the movie in feels a lot like a small oh, yeah. town bar. So it's, it's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's like definitely a, things like, to like about it. Yeah. Like I, I yeah, no, it definitely is in Houston, but it kind of has the, I mean, yeah, small townish or like bad economic area, yeah. you know, kind of like that kind of thing. More blue collar um, type of area. Blue collar-ish. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything amazing about this film, but it's just one of those that I had a personal connection Mm -hmm. with a good friend of mine who worked on it and, you know, a lot of stories. And and so it's a little different for me. Like I have those connections, you know, throughout my life. So, I mean, we all kind of do, like if you meet an actor or meet someone or see where something's filmed, you kind of, you know, you get a little extra. Yeah. For it. So so basically it's me apologizing to the world why Urban Cowboys and um made well, there, No, I don't bucks. think that there's no reason to apologize. Like, said, like we've if we said multiple times, this is your movies. So it's it's not it's not necessarily always the best. It's your movies that define who you are. Yeah. So I think that that's what I love about your list, is it it defines your life. It's yeah. That. I look forward and uh, in a couple of years where I, I put a lot of good movies on the list. <laughs> start- <laughs> I, I know. Oh, oh, oh. I know, I know. Well, that's okay. Well, there's still some good All movies. Right. I think this next movie coming up is a good one. Yeah, it's the uh, the first Woody Allen film on the countdown. Uh, it's called Bananas. It was released May 14th, 1971. When a bumbling New Yorker is dumped by his activist girlfriend, he travels to a tiny Latin American nation and becomes involved <laughs> in its latest rebellion. Directed by Woody Allen, it's his third film. I uh, made two million bucks on a hundred and thirty-six thousand dollar budget, written by Woody Allen and Mickey Rose. They've been uh, friends since high school, but this was the third and final film they wrote together. You got Woody Allen, uh, Lu- Luis Lasser as Nancy, Carlos Montalban as General Emilio M. Vargas, Howard Cosell as himself, and Ando a nice uncredited Sylvester Stallone. As Subway Thug Number One, I had when I saw he was in this, I had to go and check out. It's been a little while since I'd seen this one, but I had to go watch some scenes from it again and seeing him. Oh, it's up. the great scene with the knife. The, the, yes, the yes, it's good. It's fun. I, you know, I really enjoy. It. I don't have no idea when I saw this first time. I really enjoy this. I'm not a. I'm very hit or miss on Woody. I love some of his stuff and some of his other stuff. I'm like, nope, I don't like it at all. So this is one that I like, even though it feels. To me, it feels almost more like Mel Brooks than Woody Allen a lot of times because it's yeah, so silly and over that's the a good, top. It is. It's a very silly, over-the-top movie. I went on a run. So I had not watched a Woody Allen movie until the 90s where I got my HBO for free and I saw a Manhattan Murder Mystery. Mm-hmm. And that's my all-time favorite Woody Allen movie that's later on my list. That's mm-hmm. That's, for me, that has everything I want. It's got the wittiness and everything. So I went on a run, I guess late 90s, or like, like during the 90s, but late 90s or early aughts, 
where I just started watching every Woody Allen movie. I just, for whatever reason, I know some people don't like him, don't like his, you know, the, his character, uh, the way he acts and how neurotic he is and kind of, you know, like, how does, how does this guy get these great looking women in his films? And, I and think, then, of course, the big controversy well, with Mia Farrow. Yeah, I, and I get that. that whole I think thing. part of why I am hit or miss on him sometimes is sometimes I'm fine with him in that character. The char- like take I'm I'm putting aside all of the outside the movie stuff because that's a whole yeah I have to real shit. quick Ando I have to put that stuff away because if if I took away movies on my list that I liked that turned out the director married his stepdaughter or yeah. this guy did, I probably wouldn't have any freaking movies because yeah. it seems like half a Hollywood. Yeah, and it's it's not the only one on this list tonight that we're going to talk about that has somebody like that in it. So it's and so yeah. that's I, so. I but my my thing with him is sometimes I'm I, I like that character that he plays where it's the it's the mm-hmm. yeah the the dweeby guy that gets the girl and all that. But other times it just like sometimes it works for me, sometimes it doesn't. So it's this is one where it did work for me. So sorry, continue on your your Woody yeah. Allen marathon. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Woody Allen marathon. So, I mean, I don't love every Woody Allen movie, but I would say I like probably 80% of them. Like, I'm a big Woody Allen guy. I, okay, a big Woody Allen filmmaking fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to spoil this by just, you know, start talking about the Mia Farrow documentary that yeah, was very, that's... oh. Uh, I didn't finish it because it was just it was just bizarre and uh, made me feel uncomfortable. But I got to appreciate I mean, Roman Polanski, a lot of movies of his I like. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it, I'm looking just at the movie and it's like sports athletes where, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna be wearing a Ray Carruth jersey, but like it, it, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, it, it's yeah, just yeah. It, it is what it is, because before we knew any of the stuff, this movie influenced me, you know, mm-hmm. And it was just really fun, well written. I like seeing Woody Allen bumbling through. Um, it just cracks me up. Um, but really, that scene with Stallone is what, like, like that's my. You and know, being a big Stallone fan, that really like set, did it for me. <laughs> and when I was watching the thing with it too, there's a lot of slapstick almost in this. Like, yeah, not quite Three Stooges, but kind of like that because I was when I was watching a few scenes today. I'm just for the listeners. I had told Heath this earlier, but the I've been on daddy daycare this week because our daycare is closed for the week. So I was watching some scenes and, and my two year old, two and a half year old is walking in and out with his playing stuff. And there was a couple scenes where like he's training, Woody's training how to, how to hide behind a bush and all this stuff. And it's really funny stuff. <laughs> yeah. And even my two year old starts look, watching the iPad and starts cracking up. So, I mean, it's, I, oh, I, I never would have ever imagined that. And, and it's got this like fun jungle music playing and it's, I don't, I was re- rewatching a lot of it today. I was, I was really impressed with it. I really enjoyed this movie a lot. It made me laugh a lot. So. Yeah. I, I, I like, you know, you know how we talked about star Wars, like episode two, when I saw it in the theater with a bunch of kids and I felt like I was a kid again. Mm-hmm. Bananas brought me back to a time when I was young and watched these goofy movies that were on TV. And one of those movies that it won't make my top 1000 because, uh, because it's too late, but it's a movie with (laughs) that to this day, there's a line in the movie. My dad still brings up 
because I thought it was the funniest thing as a kid. It's this movie called Going Coconuts with uh, Donnie Marie Osmond. I and remember seeing the VHS like, tape of it somewhere. I've never seen it. Though. Yeah, I, I saw it as a kid. And there's this one point where like the bad guy's got a mustache and he's got a gun and like a cop's coming by and he throws the gun in the bushes. Like what a beautiful day. What a beautiful day. Like that, like Mr. Bean kind of like, <laughs> and, and I'm sure the movie's terrible, but I, that was a childhood memory for me. But I just, I don't think you could find that movie anywhere. Maybe on YouTube. I haven't looked, but like, it's just like, but yeah. So, but like bananas has that with better quality. It's an early Woody Allen film and it just, uh, I'm going to have a lot of Woody Allen films on this countdown. Uh, but I I like bananas being the, uh, the first one on the list because it's just, it's, it's, it's quality. And like I said before, when you do, when I'm rating these films with the bond movies, with Marvel movies, whatever, I almost have to do my own rankings of them and then disperse them throughout the countdown. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know, because, yeah, it's just the way... You, it's, it's actually a lot more work than one would think. Well, and with Woody... Um, even though his... I've kind of been doing this, yeah. Right, have you watched... I mean, because he, he's still making tons of movies. Have you watched anything that he's done in the last five or ten years? You know, it's it's interesting that you say that. I wanted to, and I, I don't think I ever did... I want to say, wonder if God, because I know there's some like I like I didn't see Blue Jasmine, I didn't see Midnight in Paris. Um, I, I the so there's a few there I have not seen. I haven't seen a lot of the recent ones. Yeah, I think the last um, one I, I saw was Blue Jasmine. I love Midnight in Paris. That's actually my favorite Woody Allen movie. Oh I just, wow! I love 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 that. Film. Yeah, I hear that's really good. Um, but, but it's, uh, also, it's also so, a very different film for him. So for from a lot of yeah. stuff. So I really well. Really one of my that, favorites, but... again, not to spoil this, but no one's going to remember this in a couple of years. Like Match Point <laughs> is one of my favorites mm, yeah. too. Scarlett, uh, and that's a different. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson and Jonathan Reese Myers or Davies. One of those. One of those. <laughs> one of those Johns. Um, one of those. One of those something Reese somethings. Uh, you know, Cassandra's Dream. It's okay, but. That was that that was with Colin Farrell, and Ewan McGregor, um, but uh, the, the Jason Biggs era, I don't I don't remember oh. really liking those films. Yes, I don't think I even I don't finished know if, most of those. Yeah, I think I watched. I don't honestly don't remember. Well, and I think because like remember. for a while there, he was putting in like basically when he started giving up acting more, he was basically putting surrogates in his spot. And there was yeah. a while where it was Jason. Biggs. That's part of why I love Midnight in Paris because Owen Wilson. Yeah, I think is so incredible as Woody Allen, basically playing Woody Allen. I just I love sure. Ed Wood. So yeah, Midnight in Paris is one you should definitely check out. I think it's well, a fantastic film. My favorite Woody surrogate is Kenneth Branagh in Celebrity. He plays Woody's character to a T, and he's phenomenal. <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever watched. I think, oh, so, I celebrity think I have it somewhere. I need to dig that out. Celebrity might be my second or third favorite Woody Allen movie. I love well, definitely going to dig that thing out now and watch. Yeah, it. you got it. You got a cameo of Leonardo DiCaprio in it. That's freaking awesome. If you would have said anything, I knew Leo had a cameo in it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even been able to. I didn't remember anything. Isn't it because it was about paparazzi and stuff like that? Yeah, Famka Jansen, Melanie Griffith. Um, this was one of I went through a serious breakup. Uh-huh. Um, around this time was on video. So celebrity heat. 
and a few other movies that were my like breakup movies. <laughs> um, and some Paul Thomas Anderson stuff. Uh, oh, of course. Uh, After a breakup, I think this would be better. Yeah, I think it was Magnolia <laughs> or something. But yeah, uh, so <laughs> breakup movies I was watching uh, in the early two thousands. Um, yeah. So uh, you want to move on? Um, let me see. Well, I got a couple other. I got a couple oh. little tidbits from this one. Um, Ooh, I like it. One, it's one of the first movies I can remember that has a fake commercial within the within the movie. It's a fake commercial oh, for New Testament right. cigarettes, which is yeah. hilarious. It's I don't hardly ever remember. I remember from Tropic at the beginning of Tropic Thunder having some of them. Otherwise, I don't remember right. most movies ever doing that. Um, most scenes are improvised, and that might be why I love this movie so much because mm-hmm. I'm a huge Christopher Guest fan, and that whole I just I love. When improvised comedy works, I think there's nothing better. Granted, it sometimes can go horribly, horribly wrong, but like it works here. Um, and Louise Lasser and Woody Allen were actually married and got divorced before they started in this movie together as a couple. Which oh, is, geez, I, and I guess they after this they made like three more movies together after they got divorced. So I can't even imagine that inside that relationship must just be crazy. So. Wow, and that is otherwise, it, the AFI did a top 100 funniest films list in 2000. It ranked number 69 on America's funniest films of all time. So, definitely hey, has, 969 and 69. Yeah. Yeah, all, all perfect. That's that's uh, that's perfect. Synergy. What, do you, right what there. do you know? Yeah. What do you know? So, otherwise, that's all I got for bananas. All right. The next film, 968, is a horror film, Ando, which everyone probably doesn't like either. Um, the living dead have taken over the world and the last humans alive in a walled city to protect themselves as they come to grips with the situation. It was released on Jan- June 24th, 2005, written and directed by George Romero. It's the l- just Land of the Dead, the fourth film of the uh, in the Night of the Living Dead series. Uh, you had Night of the Living Dead in 68, Dawn of the Dead in 78, Day of the Dead in 85. And then this one in 05, you got a little John Leguizamo, Asia Argento, Simon Baker, and Dennis Hopper. Um, I saw this in the theater. I, to be honest, I think this is the first George Romero film I had seen. I, I probably saw something in college, some clips and stuff, but I wasn't really a, other than Jason and, and Friday the 13th, I really didn't get into zombie movies. Uh, and this one just, it just hit for me. I just dug it. And I, this is where I like became like a huge Simon Baker fan. I think he was doing the mentalist around this time or right after it. Yeah. It had to be around that same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I just liked Simon Baker, you know, Dennis Hopper, old school (laughs) Hopper. I mean, you got Legazamo and of course, Asia, Asia Argento, you know, her dad's a big director, uh, but uh, Dario, <laughs> everyone yes. knows her. Yes, Dario. But uh, yeah, this is just uh, one of my uh, favorite zombie horror films. Um, not favorite horror films because I have a lot more on there, but this movie just did it for me. And I enjoy, I guess I really into like confined space or there's a wall and there's you know there's only certain places you could go and you got to get to the tower or get to a certain place and you're getting it you know you got people coming after you or zombies coming after you and different <laughs> things i just I, I i eat that shit up i eat that shit up 
I'm surprised you never throw saw a shark it. in there. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. What shark zombies are what we need to find now for shark you, right? Zombies. The uh, yeah. I'm surprised you had never. Have you seen Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead since this? The Romero versions? No, actually, I. You know what's weird? I don't think so. I think I saw the remake of Dawn yeah, of the, the Dead. Yeah, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that one I've seen, but uh, to be honest, I don't. I, I'm surprised I didn't go back and watch them. If I did, I don't think I did. I got to do that because Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the. I'm surprised actually in a film class somewhere you didn't at least see one of the first two for sure. I probably saw clips because I, I definitely I mean, the, saw clips. They they definitely both have that claustrophobic. You're in one setting and you can't get out and the. I've I've actually never seen Land of the Dead, but Night of the Living Dead and Dawn okay. of the Dead I have seen multiple times. Both of those two, I, I don't think I've seen Day of the Dead either, actually. But they're and they're they're movies that are burned into my mind. I will not forget them ever. And like horror, like you said, like you were saying earlier too about people not liking horror. I have this thing with horror where when horror is good, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, there's so much shitty horror. There's so many things yep. where they have like wrong turn part 27 and all that and they just beat them into the ground and it's like i say when when the stuff is really good i love it so but i'm very picky yeah. about what i love so i this is one i wanted to this is one actually when i saw it on your list i wanted to watch but it, I, another one that's just not streaming anywhere so yeah. i was yeah I, I got the i got the old blu-ray yeah it's <laughs> i i do want to watch this one so because i i like the yeah. first two and i actually the dawn of the the Zack Snyder, Dawn of the Dead. I actually, I really love that film too. It's I actually really like that one. That's, yeah. I think it's a really underrated. I think Zack Snyder gets overhated a lot of the times. He's not perfect, but that Dawn of the Dead remake is a fantastic film. So yeah, I got I gotta go back, and I think I what I have to do is I have to I gotta revisit because uh, there could be you know I, I I like to see it where I rank it because I don't know for whatever reason Land of the Dead just did it for me in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those like I was just so into it. It was before The Walking Dead, and really, I guess I really didn't really watch many zombie movies. I, you know, I I, I just honestly, unless it's like blanked out, because but yeah, it, I probably didn't watch a lot of horror because well, I after think... Freddy and Jason, the the genre was dead, and I I wouldn't have gone back and watched because there is one movie that I finally watched like after everyone else in the early two thousands. And I just didn't like it was the, uh, uh, what is the, uh, the horror film with uh, Bruce Campbell evil dead that first one. Yeah. I just wasn't an evil dead fan. Well, evil dead two is actually a remake of evil dead. It's right. Kind of like this, right. And I think that the first evil dead, I do not like the second one. I, I like and the third army of darkness, the third, in that Bruce Campbell trilogy, I really like, mm-hmm. but it's that's a lot goofier too. The other the other yeah. zombie movie I was thinking of too that came out just a couple of years before this. It's probably why this got greenlit was Twenty Eight Days Later, with Killian Murphy. Well, yeah, that, that yeah, that's probably my that's probably my favorite zombie. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's they're obviously different kind of zombies because they're like the speed zombies right. and everything. But yeah, I think it, I'd be interested in what you think of if you go back. Like the first Night of the Living Dead is extreme. I mean, it's a definitely made in the 60s because it's it's very slow and it's very it's not like right. a horror movie now obviously for obvious reasons but the second and the second dawn of that is i mean the cider remake is definitely a remake the story is very similar and but those two are both yeah. really good it's I, i'm going to check this one out when i when it whenever it pops on netflix or hbo at some point so yeah but all right my second zombie movie because i have a uh, world war z now oh, i'm thinking right. like well i think i kind of liked world war z more than this one but i 
you know, it's it's all well everything kind of in this range is kind of nebulous i think anyways it's kind of the same yeah yeah honestly it's 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 i mean yeah i mean yeah i mean the i i think the first like 1000 to like 800 could be in three years i could mix and match them you you know what i mean like but as we get closer to 600 on those are the ones that don't budge well and you know those are the one you know when i when i made my top 100 or actually i kind of went back and looked at some of my stuff after we talked last week and i think i actually did a 200 at one time and i remember how i did it that first time was i kind of did it in tears where like i've got like six or seven films that are competing for my well maybe that's seven four or five that are competing for my number one at all times and Mm -hmm. that that's always my top five tier and then there's like a 20 20 films after that and then so then, like films forty to films eighty will can are kind of interchangeable depending on the mood or my age, the time, or whatever. So, yeah, like I said, I'm guessing the bottom two or three hundred are all kind of kind of could fluctuate rapidly yeah, depending the, on the day. Yeah, they're yeah, but it's it's fun. I I find it fun to put a number on them and mm-hmm. have it there for discussion. Well, uh, it's the film list; it has to be in list form. So that's right. That's <laughs> right. Or else, what the hell are we doing, Ando? Yeah, what's the point? Um, all right. Number 967 is an Australian film. Oh, ho, ho. A 70-year-old <laughs> navigates his survival amongst an explosive criminal family and the detective who thinks he can save him. Premiered at Sundance January 22nd, 2010. Limited release August 13th, 2010. Uh, was a million dollar, uh, made only a million bucks on a $5 million budget, but got a lot of critical acclaim. Written and directed by David Michaud. Uh, it was a series now on TNT. I believe that's ended. But the original Animal Kingdom. Uh, James Fretcheville as Joshua J. Cody. You got Guy Pierce, Joel Edger- Edgerton, Jackie Weaver, who I don't know if she won. I know she was nominated. Yeah, not Oscar uh, and Golden Globe nominee for Best Supporting. Oh, I guess I should look at, at the at yep. the next page of the notes okay great it won pretty much every australian film award um yep. ben mendelson uh luke ford and my boy from strike back sullivan stapleton uh that's craig cody so <laughs> i'll be honest when i first saw this film jackie weaver bugged me her character agreed and and i thought the lead actor was a little kind of boring and then I, Spoiler alert, Joel Edgerton's character gets killed pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was just like, what? So I revisit I revisited it last year. I was like, my wife hasn't seen it. I go, you know what? I'm gonna give it another chance. And I was blown away more the second time around. With I kind of got like what they were going for. I knew Sullivan Stapleton from Strike Back and Blind Spot and uh you know and stuff. So I was like I knew who he was. I knew more who Ben Mendelssohn was. So it was kind of like watching Band of Brothers. Yeah. And be like, "Oh my god, I know that guy, I know that guy." And Jackie Weaver, I really appreciated her work in this one the second time around, you know, over 10 years later. I just for whatever reason warmed up to her and realized how good she was. I mean, maybe not, I wasn't like the greatest performance of all time, but 
it was it was really really good and so i got a new appreciation for this movie and the you know especially the ending and everything and i just realized it really hit me harder this time around being in this world again it's kind of a small town in australia it's not it, it takes place in like kind of the sub rundown suburbs um you have this like crime family that's just i mean ben mendelson's character he just plays a fucking asshole mm-hmm. i mean they're all kind of <laughs> assholes yeah and, and it's it's tough because when the when when uh Joel Edgerton's character, Barry Baz Brown, goes down. It kind of, he was kind of like the good brother. Like he was the one, okay. I mean, he, you know, in a crime family, he was the one that I was really like attached to. And then kind of when he's out of the picture, it kind of goes a lot more to shit. Uh, but a really well done film. Um, I really like a lot of Australian films. Uh, especially late. Uh, there's a great, great series called Underbelly, Ando. Underbelly. I it's about familiar the, with this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, I think if I think if I think a lot of it's on Prime now, but maybe YouTube as well. It's the it's like the the, the number one Australian show of like all time. It, it deals with the criminal underworld in Australia, but it's all real, based on true stories. Like oh, they'll really? say, like. We had to change this name, or this guy's still under investigation, or this guy's in prison. It it's amazing. I've seen the first. I've only seen the first two seasons, um, because the, and then the third one it was on Netflix, and then it was gone. And then I think I recently tagged it on Amazon Prime. Like you could, you could only only get it the first couple, and now I think they're all out. I think there's like seven seasons or something. I mean, there's multiple at least. I know there's five, probably yeah, this, more. This says one season available on Prime right now is all. Okay. And there's at That's, least six seasons total. Okay. Um, yeah, there's those first two seasons are phenomenal. Actually, I watched by accident, I think I watched the second season first, but it's like <laughs> anthology. Oh, but so you it do get really some characters. You get one or two characters that cross over loosely connected. It goes to then. different times. Yeah. yeah, I mean, your nar- narrator is like the same, but I it almost, you know, it, Animal Kingdom reminded me a lot of Underbelly, but that's a really, really good show. I mean, that's that first season so good, but second season is outstanding. Um, I'll have to put that on the list. Yeah, this was a movie. Put I, it on the list. And you know, I really okay, like this ahead. movie a lot. For I watched it. Yeah. I, this was a Netflix disc rental. I think I had. I remember because I remember it <laughs> nice. getting the. Because I think, what did I have in the notes? Yeah, premiered at Sundance. So I remember hearing a lot of the hype about it back in, in early. And then when it got released on DVD, I finally like, well, I'm going to rent this thing. And I haven't watched it since. But I remember really, really liking it. And I remember going in, Guy Pierce was the only name I knew in this cast at that time. Right. And I remember le- ending the movie thinking Ben Mendelsohn is freaking amazing. And I hope he does more things. And I've been happily surprised. I've become a massive Ben Mendelsohn fan. He's always... I think he's always interesting. And this was the first time I remember ever seeing Ben Mendelsohn. So this, for me, this will always be, this is the Ben Mendelsohn movie is what I always think of. Cause I just, right, right. I, I really, really like this movie a lot. I, it's one yeah. I should rewatch. I hadn't thought about it in a long time. Cause I mean, I always see the TNT ads for the TNT show, which I never watched. And part of the reason I never watched it, it was cause like, I want the movie. Exp- I don't want to watch it because I don't want to, which is kind of a stupid attitude because there are some good adaptations of things out there, but yeah, I just, that's the Ben Mendelsohn movie for me is what I always think of. Well, I didn't, same thing. Some, I was stubborn with the office. Like I'm like, mm. oh, they're redoing the office. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. And it's not gonna be like the UK office. 
And then The Office is one of my favorite comedies of and, all time. Because I would see little clips after My Name is Earl. I would record My Name is Earl and see the first like oh, teaser. The cold like, open, yeah. Scene of the, yeah, the cold open. And I would be cracking cracking up so much. And, I'm like, I got to watch the show. You know, that's a perfect example because I love the British office too. And then I've ended up loving the U- U.S. office too. So that's a, that's a good... I should just because I think I've heard good things about the TNT series. I just have never watched it. Yeah, I, I do want to see it. Um, uh, I, I really, it's one of those things where I always forget about it again because it's a TNT show. Yep. That you know, I forget. Oh, damn, that's right. Uh, I'll definitely watch it someday. But I, I really, you know, if you rewatch Animal Kingdom and you go to Underbelly, you'll be like, I think you'll be stuck in that world for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's. That's okay. I don't. I like getting stuck in in worlds for a while. It's it's yeah. That's, what, that's no, part of what no, I love about TV. So no, I really appreciate this movie a lot, and it, you know, came back to relevancy for me. And I mean, the the the, the actors in this are phenomenal. Yeah, and it, it it just it really hit me hard. I it's weird. It's like I I. I don't know. I think because I was listening to the Slash film cast about it and they hyped it up so much how great Jackie Weaver was and all that. You know what? That's probably where I heard about it first now that you're saying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think I had a tendency to listen to people and want and and get sick of if they love something too much. Uh (laughs) I would be like, wow. But that, you know, around that time, that's, you know, mid 2000s, you know, 2005. That's kind of like my attitude now. I'm just kind of like, I want to see it for myself. Well, and at that time too, there wasn't nearly as many, I mean, all the credit at that time, all the critics were old guys that had been doing it for 50 years. And like with slash Filmcast, they were one of the, at that time, they were one of the first movie podcasts out there. And it was people that were closer to our age. So I was the same way with them for a long time. It's like, Oh, they recommended this and they hit on a lot of different things at that time. So yeah. Oh my God. I I will say something about them. The slash Filmcast. They opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I did mm-hmm. not even know existed. Like yeah. the Red Riding trilogy mm-hmm. is great, great films. Like wouldn't have known if they yep. didn't mention it. Like it, when I was listening to their pod for, I listened to it for a bunch of years. Um, it, it, they they had so many great recommendations and it really opened up my getting yeah. me back to watching these films that maybe I, you know, I'm not going to hear about instead of just hunting down every jaws rip off you can find yeah because what you know why would someone want to do that um uh anyway speaking of ripoffs uh coming in at number nine oh, do, you have there we go. do you have anything do you no. have anything left for nope, that's, i think okay. i think it's a good time to go to the, go visit washington dc yeah let's go visit washington dc and have a fun ripping roaring action film with my boy gerard butler Number 966, Olympus has fallen. Secret Service <laughs> agent Mike Banning finds himself trapped inside the White House in the wake of a terrorist attack and works with national security to rescue the president from his kidnappers. It was released March 22nd, 2013. Made $99 million on a $70 million budget in the U.S. only. Probably did very well overseas. Directed by Antoine Fuqua. Training Day, The Equalizer Movies, Replacement Killers, Shooter, uh, written by Creighton Rothenberger and um, Katrin Benedict. I think it's Katrine, oh. like Katrina, but just dropped the Oh, a, Katrine, yes. Like Katrina in the Waves. Yep. Katrine in the Waves. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, 
it's the first film in the fallen series of course the sequels london has fallen and angel has fallen which which i like those movies um is it bad that i didn't even is it bad that i didn't even realize there was an angel has fallen until i started doing research for these notes I, I didn't even that somehow completely slipped through the crack i didn't even know that that was actually like, pretty good wait a second there's it's a th- it, pretty good it has higher ratings than the second one does so i obviously yeah. never seen this angel has fallen so <laughs> i i bought it on 4k because i was bored and i was in like best buy when they sold blu-rays yeah and i watched it enjoyed it and then i just sold it on ebay <laughs> <laughs> um anyway you got Gerard Butler as Mike Banning, like I said. Aaron Eckhart as President Benjamin Asher. You got Ashley Judd, Morgan Freeman, Angela Bassett, Dylan McDermott, Robert Forrester, one of my favorites, Melissa Leo, Rada Mitchell, Cole Hauser, and Rick Yoon. What a cast! This cast is what I couldn't cast, believe. Folks. This was one that I had, I think I texted you this weekend. It was one that I had in a. I actually had a good friend of mine passed away seven eight years ago and had. Had a ton, but was a just like you and I, a hoarder of Blu-rays and things like that. And his brother was like, "I don't care, but you can have all these movies." So I inherited just like 500 movies on disc. Oh, wow. and this was one of them. It was still in the wrapper, so I unwrapped it on <laughs> on uh, Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. So shout out to my friend Jeff, who is originally the one right. who bought this. But yeah, it, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't believe the cast just watching it because I remembered it was Jared Jared Butler at, or Gerard Butler and Aaron Eckhart. Didn't remember anything else about it. I'd never seen it before. And just one person after another, I'm like, holy shit, is that Angela Bassett? Is that Morgan Freeman? Robert Forrester? What's he doing? This cast is incredible. Robert Forrester, baby. Uh yeah, no, this is this is definitely one of those movies where, you know, it was a big budget and the the actors got paid very well <laughs> to yeah. do this film. Um I'm a big Gerard Butler fan. Of course, my good friend Chris Sparling wrote Greenland, which he's a the star of and calls him Jerry. So Jerry did not Butler. know that cool. uh, Jerry, he goes by Jerry. Um, but no, this is again, this is one of those films, action, diehard esque. Uh, they actually did, did they do a Jamie Foxx Channing Tatum movie? Uh, yes, like I, White in, House Down or something. Yep, in my notes, this Olympus Has Fallen was released May, March 22nd, 2013, White House Down, June 28th. 2013 so it was within three months of each other yeah and that was yeah that was Channing Tatum Jamie Foxx that was Roland Emmerich directed it so it's obviously going to be much sillier than I haven't watched White House Down either which also is in that giant giant box of movies that I got from my friend I haven't watched that one either so maybe I just need need to have a little mini movie White House marathon that was not bad I remember I remember enjoying it but don't remember anything I remember Channing Tatum just freaking cool as hell and ripped that's all oh, i really remember but that sounds like Channing tatum so yeah, yeah he's <laughs> good looking dude um but olympus has fallen it's just one of those fun uh action films you know the president is you know is held hostage one man you know <laughs> trying to save washington dc and um it's just it's just it's got all the makings of popcorn fun uh whether you watch it mid-afternoon or late night when you can't sleep, it's just it's Gerard Butler, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's love me it's some Gerard Butler. in the White House. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, was kind of shocked with how I mean, it doesn't bother me, but how like violent, like ultra violent. This to is Die very Hard, violent. Movie. This is yeah. This I'm, is, yeah. 
this is a rough this is yeah if you don't like violence i mean it's not that i like violence but i in movies i tolerate it so much more yeah just because it is what it is um but but yeah it's pretty damn violence. i thought one kind of funny touch i thought was that it's the it's the second and and he needs another one for a trilogy it's the second movie that dylan mcdermott has played a secret service agent that fate doesn't end so well for so can you remember the other one murder at 1600 no, no, probably not. Uh, in the line of fire with Clint Eastwood. Oh, jeez, yes, Jonathan which is Malkovich. A, yes, one of my one of That's my. A great I one. love that film. So I, 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 that has to be why he was in this one too. But he plays a Secret Service agent in both, and Morgan Freeman's I think second time playing a president as well, even though he was only yes. president for a few hours. So I don't know. It's yeah, I thought it was it was fun <laughs> for what it was, but not, I don't I doubt it's a movie I'm going to rewatch again. But it was fun. Yeah. Yeah good um can you pause for one second we have a commercial break we'll be right back yeah so uh i love this awards ando for olympus has fallen washington (laughs) dc area film critics award nominee for best portrayal of washington (laughs) dc i mean (laughs) does it get any better than that I mean, yeah, it probably does. probably does. It's just just barely though. That's Oscars number one A. This the Washington D.C. Film Critics one B. So, all right, yeah, all right. Well, let, I think I think we should go down to the sewers for a little bit. Yeah, you know, I love a little rats and different turtles in the sewer. All right, coming in at nine sixty five. <laughs> Four teenage mutant ninja turtles emerge from the shadows to protect New York City from a gang of criminal ninjas. Yes, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. It was released March 30th, 1990. Uh, Olympus Has Fallen, I saw that on Blu-ray at home. Or either Blu-ray or streaming somewhere. Okay, because I like to say... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I saw this in the theater. And then again... Like had the VHS or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it made 135 million bucks domestically on a 13 million dollar budget. Uh, directed by Steve Barron, who did Coneheads, many music videos, uh, like Billy Jean, Money for Nothing, All She Wants to Do Is Dance, Summer of '69, Africa. Wow. Uh, written by Todd W. Langdon uh, and Bobby Herbuck. So we got good old Judith Hogue as April O'Neil. Of course, it's based on the comic book by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Elias Kotis as Casey Jones. Josh Pace as Raphael. I think it's Pace. or Yeah, I'm uh, not sure on that. Brian, Brian Tachi as Leonardo, the voice. Corey Feldman as Donatello. Corey Feldman. Two weeks Rodney in a row with Corey. As, yeah. Rocky Wrist as Michelangelo. James Sato as the Shredder. Sam Rockwell as Head Thug Ando. I know. <laughs> I, I know you wrote the you wrote the <laughs> yes, I know. It's it it crazy. Good. It's crazy that he's here. And a couple of uncredited thugs, Skeet Ulrich and Scott Wolf. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so my my buddy Rawl, who I think I mentioned last podcast, but he was part of my youth, was a big comic book fan. And he loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I read some of his comics and stuff, thought it was cool. And then when the movie came out, 
I think right before the movie, I had the toys. Um, <laughs> I had the soundtrack yeah, for this uh, for this movie on cassette. Oh, I oh, also nice. saw this in a theater. One of them, and I was not a huge ninja. I didn't really know the Ninja Turtles, but like my oldest friend in the world, a guy that I've known since I was three years old, Chris is his name was a massive, he was a big video game fan of Ninja Turtles in the TV series. So mm. I think it was for his birthday party maybe or something. I know I went with Chris to the movie theater and he got his parents to take us because I was not old enough to drive in 1990 yet. And I, I do remember seeing it in the theater. So I remember really enjoying it back then. But anyways, continue with your story. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Well, wow. Wait, it came out in 1990. So, because I know I had a turtle, but I wouldn't, I would have been like 15 then. I wouldn't have had toys then. I must have got them. Because of the comics or something. Well, the the animated so, series was on right before this, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe my friends had the toys. I don't think I had them. Yeah, I think my friends might have had the toys and I played with them. That's what it was. Because I, I wouldn't have, probably in the late 80s, probably when I was like 12, you know, 11 and 12, I probably played with them. Okay, yeah, I just the... want to make sure I wasn't playing with, playing with Ninja Turtles at 15 years old. <laughs> the animated series started at 87. So, I mean, and I remember a lot of people just loving the animated series. So, yeah. But, like, my buddy yeah, so Chris So, the comics and, and the animated yeah. series. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel better. Uh, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to put together my childhood and be like, wait a minute. I wasn't a freshman in high school and I was captain of the <laughs> freshman yeah. football team and I was playing with turtles. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Okay. That's funny. That's <laughs> yeah. a good, that's a funny uh, mental picture we got there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, this, this, uh, I really love this movie. Um, then they did sequels and I know uh, Vanilla Ice did the Ninja Rap in the mm, second yes, one. Yes, he did. Uh, wow. MC Hammer but, has a song featured on the soundtrack for this one as well oh does he really yes i i've actually watched this recently because my son my oldest son who is seven is this is right getting into it i mean he's not huge in the ninja turtles but definitely likes ninja turtles so i've watched this movie very mm-hmm. recently so he loved it but it's i have thoughts about it after you continue with what you're saying yeah no it's just it was one of those films that just it was probably one of the last you know because what yeah because once in high school to film school, when I was in the 90s, I, I, there wasn't many superhero movies or anything like that. It, they kind of stopped. I mean, you had the Batman movies, I guess. Um, yeah, 92 and then a little after. But there wasn't as many. And then I kind of lost interest in the Turtles yep. when I was in high school. So that's probably why. But I remember just, you know. But there was a time where my my dad, even when I was 13... I had to be 13 to watch a PG-13 movie. Like, he wouldn't let me at 12 watch yep. PG-13 movies. I, I, I grew up in the same kind of household. I understand. Yeah. So, so, you know, I had to watch movies like this. I mean, at the time, I think I was 15 when it came out. But it was still, I was still young enough where I'm like, oh, this is cool. I remember this from, like, you know, from a few years back. But, um, yeah. No, I was a big fan. I, I You know, I had a little T- TMNT run there for a little bit in my life uh so a nice spot for it at 963 yeah what are I, some of your when i watched it recently the first thing is i mean i'd heard the independent film thing but i couldn't believe how because i i remember a couple kind of this other side thing i've done with my dvds and blu-rays over the last six or seven years basically basically luke is seven so the last seven years is i've kind of if i see a, a movie that i think he might like in four or five years uh, and i see it on sale or something i'll pick it up so i picked up 
like the the TMNT Blu-ray, I don't know, four or five years ago, just been sitting on the shelf waiting. Oh, wow. So I, I watched the Blu-ray of it, and it's re- this movie is really low budget in kind of a charming way. And like the flashbacks yeah. are done yeah. like in a, there's some flashbacks to when you see, that I had forgotten about. You see these flashbacks of like uh, Splinter when he's a little tiny rat and a little tiny, they're, they're very obviously puppets, yeah. but it's it's kind of, it's almost charming in a way. It's so low budget, which I, I thought was, and it's definitely a kid's movie. It's aimed for even younger than I thought. I'm surprised because I would have been 12. I would have been 12 when this movie came out. I'm surprised mm-hmm. that I even was was into it as much as I was when I was 12 because it almost feels, great point. feels like it's geared yeah. a little young. It, for today's age, anyway, geared younger. So, yeah. The uh, otherwise, it, I kind of enjoy. I mean the 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 turtle like the turtle costumes and stuff is actually kind of incredible. That, I mean, they're never going to go back to it again because it's all CGI stuff now. But I thought that right, was kind of right. neat. And um, otherwise, it was. I didn't. I didn't hate it, but it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely a kids' movie at this point, and I didn't realize how kiddy it was, but because it's been so long since I've watched it. But it, it it held up better than I thought. But it also, like I said, the the low budgetness of it really stood out, and it definitely you could tell it came right after Batman '89 because it's right, right. It has yeah. that kind of vibe to it. It's uh, it's a really dark film, not dark like yes. dark things happen. It just most of it's filmed in night, and I'm sure some of that is. And I think that's but, why I liked it. Yeah, to the darkness of it. Because yeah, yeah, most of it's that, yeah, most of it's with street lights or in the sewers where it's really dark, and I'm sure some of that is to cover up the costuming to make the costuming look better, because right, it's not right. having bright sunlight. There's a couple sunlight shots in yeah. it, but not many. So it's I was I was surprised with how well it actually did hold up. So yeah, and my yeah, my kid no, loved that's a it. Good so. film. Oh, that's awesome! All right, Luke approved on the and film list. <laughs> I've got I've got one piece of trivia for you on this movie. When this was oh, okay. when this came out, you mentioned the, how much it made earlier. At the time this movie came out, it became the most profitable independent film in the United States of all time, and it was surpassed in 1999. Do you know what finally knocked this off that perch? Oh, 99. So an independent film in 99. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's too too early, too late for Blair Witch. No, it is Blair Witch. That was 99. Oh, it is Blair Witch. <laughs> yes. Was, Summer of 99 wait, was when Blair, Blair Witch. Was it really? Yep. Oh, I thought it was 96 for some nope, reason. It was the same year as The okay. Matrix. And 99 has got a pretty awesome oh, no year kidding. of films. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why I thought Blair Witch. I was still in college because I, I wasn't in 99. Okay. Well, I kind of got it right. <laughs> yeah. You were, that was, <laughs> yeah. You, that was your first instinct. And I found yeah. one other very cool thing reading this. Um, and you, if you don't recognize this name, you will after I talk about it for a little bit. The editor on this film was her second film, Sally Menke. Does that name ring a bell? Oh yeah, oh yes. yeah. Basically, her Quentin Tarantino's editor from Reservoir Dogs all the way through mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards. This was only her second movie, so this was one of the movies that she got wow. her start editing, which I thought was kind of a cool, cool little uh, side note. That's a that's a very I like that side note. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's move to 964. Totally the opposite of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, this is a movie that came out on February 21st, 21st, 2003. Saw this in the theater, the old Burbank AMC. A man against capital punishment is accused of murdering a fellow activist and is sent to death row. Directed by Alan Parker, written by Charles Randolph. The film. The Life of David Gale. 
again, we won't talk about off the off off the set uh, goings on, but Kevin Spacey as David Gale, uh, one of my favorite all time actresses, Kate Winslet, Laura Linney, Matt Craven, you know, you got a little Jim Beaver as Duke Grover, and Rhoda Mitre as Berlin. Love me some Rhoda Mitre. Not gonna lie. Um, oh, and one other one, I added it later. So I'm assuming you printed your notes out, right? Oh yeah, I print, I, I found one other cast member playing Nico the Goth Girl, an early role for Melissa McCarthy. Oh, wow! I didn't even realize that. I didn't oh either. God. I was doing some last minute research. I'm like, holy shit, Melissa McCarthy. And, yeah, that's her for sure. But so this yeah. um, this movie bombed. Uh, it was a 38 million dollar budget, only made 20 million domestically. Um, I liked this film. I liked the mystery of you know, did he do it? Didn't he do it? And kind of goings on, and a young Kate Winslet kind of working her way through it. I mean, the acting's fantastic in this movie, and it's a nice little, um, I don't know, just this movie did it for me when I went to see it. I was pleasantly surprised uh, when I saw this movie. But yeah, for whatever reason, people didn't really like this movie. Yes, <laughs> this is one I've actually never seen. I know the twist. I know I know what happens in this movie for some reason. Right. I, it's in my head. I don't know why. And I but... won't, yeah, there's a very interesting twist, and uh, I think that kind of made it for me. I don't want. I don't want to. This is yeah. one twist in case people haven't seen this movie, and all yeah. of a sudden hear the film list and like, wait a minute, I want to check it out. I don't. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna spoil this. And it's one. like uh, when I was doing some research. I'm surprised how well I didn't remember this being as hated as it is. Like Roger Ebert gave it zero stars. Like the critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes is 19. percent I can't imagine well, it's typical, that bad. Typical. Uh, typical film list for yeah, me. a lot of my movies so far <laughs> and you know really i was i was looking at spacey and there's a, a stretch there in the early 2000s where i missed a whole bunch of his like after american beauty i was looking at which i obviously saw but well, after like that, k-pax like, and yeah k-pax pay it forward those. the shipping news pay beyond forward. the sea there was a four or five year stretch where i didn't see any of those i didn't films. see any of those and yeah. I, i'm surprised i didn't watch beyond the sea because it's about the the singer, right? Yeah, Bobby uh, Darren, I think, right? Bobby, De- yeah, Bobby D. Oh, no, the the first Bobby D before De Niro. Yeah, because like uh, the with with Spacey, like in the nineties with Usual Suspects and Seven and American Beauty. I mean, I was a huge fan of his work then, and then I just yeah, it kind of I kind of just fell off until I don't. I mean, there was some stuff I liked a little bit later. The early House of Cards was really good, and some other stuff. But there was a stretch there where I didn't really. It's weird because I, I I know all of those movies, but didn't watch any of them. So. Me, me too. Me too. That's interesting. I just the movies, just like I'd see the trail and be like, nah, it's not really yeah. for me. Yeah, that's. I I thought another interesting thing here. Uh, the lead role that he played was also turned down by George Clooney and Nicolas Cage. The that Kevin Spacey wow. role. So that was some other little research I had. But otherwise, I didn't like. I said I never saw this movie. I like. I know the twist, but I had never really. It was like I say it's in that weird spacey zone that I just never saw any of those movies. So. Hmm. Yeah, I think this film, this film now, like if it came out now, would be the, one of those streaming, like mm-hmm. right to streaming. It probably wouldn't even get a theatrical release. Like we're talking oh three, so every you know all the major movies yeah. with stars and it got theatrical releases. This would be a you know Netflix, Amazon Prime movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what it would be. Um, yeah, because these middle budget movies just don't, especially if they're not special effects or sci fi or horror. Yeah, they don't want, yeah. No. Exactly. 
they don't they're not gonna put those in the theaters anymore because as we see we have less and less movies in the theaters nowadays yeah which is um, kind of sad <laughs> yeah I, I i do miss going you know i drove by the movie theater the other day that's near me and i'm like man like there there's times where i just be like you know what shoot i got nothing going on. i'm gonna go see a movie i'm just gonna go but we have so many movies at our fingertips at home yeah like I'm like, I got tons of Blu-rays I haven't even opened. I got 89 different streaming services. Well, I'm like, I got a DVR full of movies. And <laughs> got we've, got, we've got huge TVs and huge, like I said, I and got a TV. damn projector. And it's like, how do you, yeah. back, back when these movies were coming out, you had to work to go get, you had to work to go see movies. Like, especially if you wanted yeah. to see them at home, you either had to go to Blockbuster or you had to get them from Netflix in, in the mail. So it was right. it's definitely changed Jesus. a lot in the last I mean, it's years. so different. It's just so different. I mean, it, it, it. We're so used to it now, but think about all the movies we have at our fingertips. Like, like you say, like, like you, I give you a list, and you do the research. Believe me, Ando does everything. I'm just speaking off the head. Ando is the real producer of this podcast, folks. <laughs> if you haven't known it already, you're the talent um, solo. I'm the I'm behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah. No, but you're you're you you. Because normally I would be on IMDb, kind of, you know, my thoughts. I What I like to do is talk about a movie and how it affects me. I don't necessarily, uh, we don't necessarily go through the plot and everything on the film list. It's more just how the film affected me and different things. And, but you just, you just really, you come up with these, th- these, the stuff that I don't even know about the film that, or I forgot. <laughs> and just the, those little, you add those different things that just make me like, now it's like I want to rewatch all the. I mean, I haven't seen this movie in a while, but I remember mm-hmm. really liking it. That's that seems to be the theme of this block. Is a, a lot of these movies I haven't seen recently. Yeah, that's and, may, and you know, and I'm, I'm the same way on this group here too. Besides, besides, yeah, uh, a couple of them. Yeah, most of them it's been a while. Yeah, and I'm wondering. I think that's what the 900 seem to be about. There's some that I've seen. You know. That maybe I think are really bad, but I, you know, so I put them here. Um, <laughs> but like, a, I think we're in the, what, what the theme is of kind of this block and maybe uh, around is films that I know I liked when I saw them, but haven't revisited them. So that's why they're in the 900s, yep. you know, you know, and, and that seems to be really the, the theme. I mean, there's some that I was less like, I liked it, but I, I can't put it high. So I put it in here, but that, that seems, especially tonight is, is a lot of films that I remember liking. I bought it and then haven't seen it in 15 years. So. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, there, there's a lot of these on this one, besides a couple that I've rewatched or watched for the first time because of this, most of these are ones, ones I have seen. It's like I say, it's been a long time. Like the next one we're going to talk about, right. I haven't seen since probably been 15 years since I've seen that one. So it's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's definitely a lot of them here. So. All right, so let's move on to that. 963, and there's I have a, definitely a story of this film that happened later in life. Uh, but uh, Big Fish, coming in at 963, directed by Tim Burton, a frustrated son tries to determine the facts from fiction in his dying father's life. Limited release December 10th, 2003. Wide release January 9th, 2020, uh, 20, 2004. Uh, made $70 million on a $67 million budget stateside. Uh, written by John August, who wrote Go, Charlie's Angels, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride. Based on the book by Daniel Wallace. Not Mia Wallace from Pulp Fiction. Daniel Wallace. Well, that'd uh, be an interesting so, movie to watch, too. <laughs> Something so by I'm Mia Wallace. Just, Anyways, sorry. Yeah, right. Mia Wallace. Uh, catch up. 
Um, so I told that joke th- to my seven year old about a week ago. He did not laugh. He did not laugh. Yeah, I don't think anyone's gonna laugh. It was a bad <laughs> pilot. Um, anyway, so big fish. Um, I'm gonna just I'm just gonna list who's in this movie. Another amazing cast, which and some that oh, well, you got Ewan McGregor as young Edward Bloom, Albert Finney as old Ed 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 Bl- it says Ed Blood. Ed Bloom. Oops, Ed Bloom. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, Ando trying to trying to get me to say Ed Blood. Uh, <laughs> well, Billy works. Crudup. Yeah, Billy Crudup as Will Bloom. Jess, you got Jessica Lang, Allison Loman as young Sandra Bloom. Forgot she was in this. I mean, she's, she's great. Fargo, really. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Helena Bottom Carter. Of course, it's Tim Burton film. It's his wife. <laughs> I think it's still his wife. Robert Guillaume. Marion Cotillard. Dave Denham as Don Price. Steve Buscemi as Northern Winslow. Danny DeVito as Amos Calloway. And the biggest one of them all, Miley Cyrus as Ruthie. She was eight years old. Uh, I love this film. I love the the structure of the film. You know, the dying father, uh, you know, uh, the the son coming to talk to him and he's telling, you know, he's going back in life and there's like these magical worlds and is this stuff real, isn't it? It just it just really like hit me and I really enjoyed this film a lot and it, it, it was different and you know I'm hit or miss with Tim Burton uh, I probably like a lot more than I realized of Tim Burton um, but this one I thought was one of his better films um, and of course Eddie Vedder did Man of the Hour uh, for this film wrote the song Man of the Hour and great song and he wrote it for the film and of course in 2016, when I went, we were supposed to get married. My uh, wife's father uh, passed away two months before the wedding, so we canceled the wedding. Well, we postponed the wedding, but we were we were, were supposed to go to Prague, go to Italy, then come back to Pennsylvania. And on the way back, hit Chicago and go see my favorite band, Pearl Jam. And that was the night Eddie Vedder dedicated "Man of the Hour" to me and Renata. Uh, for losing her dad and and postponing the wedding and, and it's all on it's on YouTube and it was just one of the most magical nights of my life my favorite band of all time and my favorite singer dedicating a song and talking about 35 seconds to us you know at a concert and he played man of the hour and this you know reminds me gave me this different emotions this time but the God damn, I've song heard that story gave before me those, still, it gives me chills I've heard, and I've heard that story just, from you before. Just awesome. Yeah, and and you're wondering how the heck did Eddie? My good friend Glenn Ewing, he contacted their publicist and kind of told them the story and said we'll be at the concert and if you know they could do something or whatever. And I remember walking into Wrigley, and I didn't know if they were going to dedicate a song or not. I felt the energy. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> oh man! I knew. I felt it, and it was like one of the best nights of my life. And uh, anyway. Uh, so awesome. the song awesome. is from Big Fish, and the song has a lot of meaning to me, of course, uh, in my real life. But this film, I I, I really enjoy this film. I, I think I saw it with my cousin at the theater, uh, and we just real really dug it, and really, uh, I don't know, it was just it was different too. It was just it, I, I you know it kind of doesn't remind me. I'm not gonna say Princess Bride. 
but it has that feel of you know telling a story and you know what is it real or not yeah the fantastical uh, kind of elements to it fantastical element of yeah. it um but yeah no it's a great cast and uh just really enjoy this film um what are your i'm assuming you've seen yes i have seen it I, this is one i saw right after it hit disc i remember watching it and okay. i'm very similar with tim burton I'm very hit or miss. He's early, like early Tim Burton, like pre ninety three. I like I love almost everything. Since yeah, then, it's been yeah. very hit or miss, and so that's why I never went to see this in the theater because I was like, "This is I don't need to see." I can't remember if Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but some of those kind of ones that started to come out at that point already, and I'm like, uh, I'm a little down on Burton, so I didn't go see it, and I remember the loving Planet it. of the I, Apes with Mark Wahlberg yeah, oh, yeah. this time. Yep, that was, I think that was 01 maybe or 2000. So yeah, it's right around that okay, same. Yeah, yeah. And I I remember loving this movie. I, I remember, I don't remember a lot about it, but I remember loving it. I remember that like it got to me emotionally. And I remember after watching, I'm like, I love that movie and I need to just, I don't want to watch this again for a while because it like affected me somehow. And I yes, don't remember exactly I why. Thing. I had like an emotional reaction to it. And I remember, I just I still can't believe it was Tim Burton that did it. I wish Tim Burton would stop doing remake stuff and do something like this. Right. It's I think it's a fantastic movie. I was actually surprised it was this as low as it is on your list. I figured this. Well, one this is higher. why. Yeah. Well, for me, I watched it, and then when I watched it a second time a few years later, it didn't have the same effect on me because I knew what was going to happen and everything. Mm, so it's okay. just it's it it, it, it it it's weird. It was a great experience, and then I was like. Oh, this film's not as great as I thought it was. Uh, that's kind of where it left, and and I haven't seen it in a while, so that's why, again, it, it fits here. Um, it'd be interesting to see if I watch it now how it would affect me. Um, yeah, I, I actually want. I think this is another one that was hard to find on streaming with, unless you wanted to pay a rental fee. Because I had, I was right. thinking about when I saw it on your list, I was thinking about God, it's about time I had. It's been close to twenty years since I watched it. It might be worth. Tr- I might be ready to watch it again. And like I said, I've forgotten most of it. So I'm guessing I will love it at this point. I obviously remember a few right. things here and there. I remember the structure of the story and all that. But I remember absolutely loving this film, which, like I said, yeah, for me, at the time shocked me. Like you'll see like movies on the list where you're like, you know, it might be a really great film, a sandwich in between really bad films. <laughs> um, but a lot of it is as over the next several years or whatever. There's, <laughs> There are a lot of movies that are just bigger influences on me, and I, I just yeah. like more. Um, it's just there's there's a lot of them, and that's why it's like, uh, you know, you, you certain movies get kind of lost in the shuffle, and uh, maybe will be ranked, I guess, higher but lower, uh, lower on the list, or higher on the list but lower in the, and uh, and and this is kind of one of those like you know, had I seen it in the last couple of years and really liked it, maybe I it would be higher, but. Um, well, I know when I made so, my top hundred that I've talked about a couple times. I remember what I had made a couple rules in my head, and one of them was I had to have seen the movie at least twice. I wasn't going to put anything right. on there that was just a one-time thing, or it was something that, like I said, I did. Like this one, I could. I guess I can see when you say it that way. If you haven't seen it in a long time, you don't like the top one hundred or two hundred are going to be movies. I that, can't put it in the top. I mean, yeah, you know yeah, those movies inside and movie, out. Every movie, I would honestly in the top say six hundred. I know I've seen multiple times yeah. recently. Yeah. I have a good memory of. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it starts to get a little, you know. And right now we're in the fuzzy 
era yeah, of the film was where you know i you know I, but i'm doing the pod so this is set in stone so i'm not changing it i already did that where i did a ton of film lists on the original <laughs> film list pod and now everything's like changing so um you know that's well it's still fun um, I, stuff like this it's kind of like last week when you had 127 hours it's movies that i haven't like i said i've watched once i'm right. loving them and it's it's nice to bring it back into my memory that maybe it's time to rewatch some of these at some point. So it's it's I, yeah, and that's I, what a lot about this list is is it, it it's yeah my favorite top favorite films, but it's get other people that listen to the pod and be like, oh my god, I should revisit that, or it's just like because we forget about a lot of films, we forget, in in you know when we go through each one, you know I think of okay when did I see it, what you know what was I feeling at that time, did I rewatch it, did I like it as much. Did it affect me later? Like Animal Kingdom, how, it, you know, it wouldn't have been in my top 1,000, but re-watching it and, and, and re-evaluating, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. But it's, it's I can't jump it, like, you know, 800 slots to put it in my top 200 because it's just not, <laughs> you know, going to happen. Well, and it's, say, when we've watched as many movies as you and I have, it, it takes a lot. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, 500 or 600 great movies we've seen. And we love that's yeah, it's gonna be harder to move up the ranks as we go. I'm, I have no doubt of that. Yeah. I mean, there are some recent ones that I mean, probably the most recent movie that's in my top 15 is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That movie oh, yes. did a lot for me. And it is up there my favorite Quentin movies. I mm -hmm. just that movie has affected me over the last three or four years or whatever. Just that movie. Is is one of the recent ones that really made had made made an impact being a, a top. Um, um, it was only one Oscar nom uh, for best original score by, of course, Danny Elfman. Does yeah. a lot of Burton films and seven BAFTA nominations. Um, would you have any uh, thoughts left no, on just Big that, Fish? Like I said, I'm going to put that on my own little mini list here of movies I need to revisit because you brought them up on the film list. So and that list is growing right. by the week. So. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Let's go to the army. I think is it the army All or right. the navy? I'm not even sure where this one. Oh, navy or it's the close. marines? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's the navy. <laughs> All right, navy. Nine sixty two. Controversial movie from the at the time. I think and we'll get into it. But Lieutenant Jordan, a U.S. Navy. What is that? Topograph. Topographic. Analyst? Topographic analyst. That's like joins this... the U.S. I was gonna say that's oh, like the structure, topog to like topography. It's like the structure of the land. Ah, does that make right. sense? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, just, okay. You know, Lieutenant Sorry. Jordan, U.S. Navy topographic analyst, joins the U.S. Navy uh, Special Warfare Group and struggles to prove her worth in a unit dominated by men. It's called GI Jane. We had GI Joe last week. Now we got GI Jane. Uh, released August twenty second, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, made $48 million on a $50 million budget, directed by Ridley Scott, um, written by David Tui. Tui. Oh, my God. That's that's Tui, huh? Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, Danielle Alexandra. Uh, David Tui was writer of The Fugitive, Waterworld, director of Perfect Getaway, and the Riddick franchise. Stars Demi Moore as Jordan O'Neill. Vigo Mortensen, Anne Bancroft, Jason Bay, or Bay—is that how you pronounce him? That's—I'm not—I wasn't sure on his. I name. think it's Jason. 
Jason Bay. I think, yeah, Chicago PD and first and yeah, 10. Yeah, he's been in a ton uh, of stuff, yeah. Daniel Von Bergen, John Michael Higgins as chief of staff, Morris Chestnut as McCool, and my boy, Jim Caviezel as Slovnik. Slovnik. God, I can't, I can't read anymore. All right. G.I. Jane. I've seen this movie a ton of times. And I remember the summer of 97 and before. Every time I went to a theater, I would see the freaking preview for this. It got annoying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, really? That's all G. I remember I. from this movie is the trailer. Okay. <laughs> I was like, G.I. Jane, really? And then I saw it in the theater, and I really liked it. And I thought Demi Moore was fantastic in this. I mean, she's doing Navy SEAL training. She shaves her head. She's working out like, I mean, she's getting treated like absolute crap. And she fights and she fights. And and it's just, I. people might laugh, oh, G.I. Jane, blah, blah, blah. I don't, you know, I, I'm hoping people liked this film, but I just really, I thought it was well done. And I, I just, you know, I'm a Demi Moore fan. And, um, she i thought she i thought she played this um i thought she played this like very well and i thought i think it's one of her best performances and it's a ridley scott he he knows how to direct as we well know <laughs> yeah just um, a little bit but no th- th- this movie is really well done and i you know and it was kind of during my obsession i i was really obsessed with navy seal training and stuff for a time and because I had a friend of mine who went into the Marines and he was telling me the stories about Navy. He had buddies who was the Navy SEALs and he would tell me the stories. And I was just so fascinated. And I just feel like, you know, Navy SEALs is one of the hardest um, boot camps, if you will, yep. training. I mean, it's it's and I, I have a lot of respect for Navy SEALs and what they do. I mean, it takes a certain person mentally, physically to become a Navy SEAL. And I just always been fascinated with that. Um, even now, uh, they have that Fox show that I actually special forces, where they have the oh, celebrities yeah. go on and they do the Navy SEAL training. I really like that show. It's one of the few reality shows <laughs> I actually watch. Um, but uh, it's, it's really, really, um, uh, I really like this film and I, you know, I've seen it at least four or five times, I think through the years. I just, I just, I think I I saw it in the theater. I rented it. I saw it on cable. Yeah, maybe like three or four times. But um, yeah, GI Jane, baby. And you know, I don't. I know I saw this back in the probably when it came on video. I know I didn't see it in the theater, and I don't. I don't remember hardly anything about it. I remember doing push-ups. I remember the trailer, like you said, because the trailer played forever. Yeah, I remember pull-ups and yeah, it was always on. I I remember thinking it was it was fine. I don't. I don't understand the hate on this one either because I know it does get a lot of hate. I. I'm just looking back at like Demi Moore in that time frame, and I think maybe what happened is she was everywhere. She had tons of movies coming out at that point, and she was coming off like the two years before that, four or five big bombs: The Scarlet Letter, The Juror, Striptease. Mm. I mean, those were all back to back to back. Oh and yeah. I wonder if it was just people dumping on Demi Moore because right before that, she had the the run of Disclosure and Decent Proposal and A Few Good Men, which were all yeah. huge hits. So. I don't yeah, I don't get the I don't get the hate on this one either. There was the Demi Moore backlash, you're right. Um she, she yeah, cause she yeah, Scarlet Letter. Yeah, I remember that bombed. I mean, and then strip teased her taking all the money to show her boobs, you yeah. know, whatever. And uh I actually like strip tease. 
it's I, I remember actually laughing at it quite a bit. I mean, Burt Reynolds. Yeah, I, remember I being think super I liked silly it because everyone said it was the biggest piece of crap movie, and I was kind of rooting for her mm-hmm. and rooting for the movie, kind of like I did with Waterworld, where yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, it's the biggest budget, biggest bomb." I tend to root for that underdog. <laughs> I do, and too. I think striptease. I was just like, you know. It, it was just, you know, it is it, it was like an 80s film, but I, I saw it in the theater and enjoyed it. Um, and my boy Burt Reynolds is in it. So, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think it was a lot of that Demi Moore. Because then after that, did she, you know, she, she, um, no, she started dating well, her, Ashton Kutcher later. Her ne- also, that remember, same, also that same year, Deconstructing Harry, she was in. That's a Woody Allen film, isn't it? Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, uh. Elaine from Seinfeld, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is in that too. And then really after that, she doesn't have much until Charlie's Angels 2. Okay, she took a break. Yeah. Yeah, she took a break from acting. And because that's why I was trying to figure out the time. Because I remember when she came back in Charlie's Angels, she looked like buff and like Mm -hmm. it was a little older, but very sexy and was like, oh, Demi's back. All right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, the only other film in there that's between that is something I've never heard of called Passion of Mind. I don't even know what that is. When was uh, Half Light with Half Light? That's Two- with uh, Henry Ian Cusick. Two thousand six. Okay, so it was a little after that. Yeah, I remember that movie with uh, Desmond. Yeah. So yeah, since after after the after that little break, she's kind of been working constantly. Not not a lot of stuff that's very notable, but still working. So yeah. I, I would, I'd, I'd be ready for a little renaissance of her in some high quality stuff. Oh, Margin Call! Yeah, I she was in that. A oh yeah, that. that's a good film. Well, was was this during the time too? Did she? Was she? Did she? When did she divorce Bruce Willis? I was just that thinking happen? that had to be around. I was that thinking same time. maybe that could have been because I know that wasn't you know. Yeah, I bet you that could have been happening too, and you know. So well, they divorced in two thousand. The divorce in two thousand. So it was a little bit after that, but okay, it was before this. Then I still I mean, think uh, that, these movies were before it. Yeah. I think you were well, right before though, them. saying like the the burnout and people were just because that happens with every everybody that's a big star is that sure. after a few. I mean, it happened to Will Smith. It happened to Schwarzenegger for a while. It's happened to all Stallone. Every well, single. Big, I didn't think it would ever happen with Tom Cruise, and it did. Yep. You know, and he's jumping on the couch, and mm-hmm. I think during the Valkyrie time. Uh, you know, there was some films where it's just, but then, you know, like you said, he did Tropic Thunder and like he did different oh, things God, to try I to, he's great in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> oh, oh, he's great. Cruise, you know, I mean, there, there, there was a run cause Cruise, everything he was in was a huge hit. Well, and then, a, you know, the mummy Valkyrie that those kind of bombed. We got to take one quick side note on Tom Cruise. Have you heard he's been rumored for Tarantino's next? No. Yeah, the critic, that movie critic movie that Tarantino's writing, supposedly Cruz is interested. Can oh, you imagine that? Please. My favorite director, and well, Steve McQueen has become my favorite, but Tom Cruise is my favorite actor for a very long time. Well, you just call him favorite uh, working actor. You could do that. Favorite worker, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, Cruz and Tarantino, that would be awesome. Yeah. Because you know how Tarantino is so committed to, to detail and making great films, and Cruz is you know yeah i mean absolutely the same type i mean the two of them together creating would be freaking awesome yeah i just just the idea of that is like oh my god i I need to see that because i i can't even i can imagine but i can't imagine how awesome that could be so 
Oh my God. Oh, let's hope it, let's hope it happens. <laughs> All right. And uh, we got one more film, right? Yes. For tonight's pod. Yes. This is it. We've reached the crescendo of. Well, the and you know, pod. Speaking, speaking of Bruce Willis. <laughs> uh, it wasn't done on purpose, folks. <laughs> it was not done on purpose. I just, just realized it. All right. After a single career-minded woman is left on her own to give birth to a child of a married man, she finds a new romantic chance in a cab driver. The movie, coming in at 961, Look Who's Talking. Released on October 13th, 1989. I saw this in the theater in Rhode Island when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, made $140 million on a $7.5 million budget. Written and directed by Amy Heckerling. Um, who's directed, I mean, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Johnny Dangerously, European Vacation, Clueless. Um, stars John Travolta as James, Kirstie Alley as Molly, Olympus, Olympia Dukakis, uh, George Seagal, or Siegel, George Siegel? Siegel, yep. George Siegel, yeah. Uh, Abe Vigoda as yes. Grandpa. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Bruce Willis as the voice of Mikey. And William B. Davis from the X Files as drug doctor. Yes. What a pull, Lando. <laughs> I couldn't resist not putting a uh, cigarette smoking man in the in the cast uh, list here. Yeah, me and Donald interviewed him on his X Files pod oh. years ago. He was doing like every pod though at uh-huh. the time. But yeah, we interviewed him. It was fun. Um, so yeah, look who's talking. This was, you know, my freshman year. I was going to Tollgate High School in Rhode Island, and every Friday after we played football, we'd go to the movies. That was like our Friday night thing. And Look Who's Talking was one of those, uh, <laughs> along with Uncle Buck. And oh, I remember Uncle driving Buck. Miss Daisy, but we got kicked out because we were too loud, and I think some, some of my buddies fell asleep, and we were just too <laughs> loud. We got kicked out. of Days of Thunder was around that uh, time. Yes. Like, it was that that run. Uh-huh. Um, oh, boy. Uh, memories but yeah look who's talking i actually seen it recently and i was i was cracking up um i think the sequel came on we had to watch in the sequel which is okay uh but the first one it just i don't know it's just kind of neat and just you know bruce willis as a talking baby i mean come on and this Seriously. is like we were talking about earlier with travolta this is kind of what kicked his second his second his first yes. comeback was this movie kinda. wow so how funny is his last good movie in the 80s and then his yeah his comeback um because yeah it, it did i mean they did two sequels after this but then of course pulp fiction happened and yeah which it was it's kind of his changed. second comeback so yeah it's yeah that kind of that cut well that kind of got him to superstar status again like mm-hmm. probably even bigger i, than I he was think so yeah you know, I mean, it was pretty big in the seven. I mean, Greece was and Saturday Night Fever were pretty big, but, but he he wasn't being nominated for Oscars stratosphere. and stuff like that back then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not like Tarantino did with him. Yeah, no the 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 Travolta Renaissance, but um, but yeah, man, look who's talking. I'm assuming you've seen Look Who's Talking. Oh yeah, this is another one I saw in the theater, but I don't think I've seen this since. The early '90s, probably. It's been a oh, very wow. long time, very long time. It's it's one of those movies that there's a whole bunch of these movies that made a lot of money in the like the late '80s, early '90s that I know I saw, but I haven't revisited them in forever. So I don't. I I, I was I forgot how popular this movie was. It was top ten for the year in the in the box office. It won a ton of oh, it was huge. Say yeah. like People's Choice Awards. I mean, and they're not People's Choice Awards aren't 
Oscars by any means, but it definitely tells you what's popular. So it, I, mean, I forgot how popular this movie was. So it's it's one I would be interested to check out again because, like I say, I do I like the cast and I, I loved Kirstie Alley back in that time frame. So, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's 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 good. It holds up pretty good. It's funny. It it, it it's lighthearted. It has a good message. It's you know, it, you know, you get your classic, you know, relationship thing going on, not going on, and the baby's rooting for. Her. Yeah. You know, Travolta, Travolta's character to get, you know, to be with his mommy, and you know, <laughs> it's just it really it's it, it, it's heartfelt and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's one I'll it is I think it might be one I'll check out again when it hits up on a streaming service and the little tile comes up. I may I may pop it on for a little while, or maybe you watch it with I don't know if I can't remember how much stuff in that is is geared at mm. kids, or will some well, of that probably go right be- over their heads? Yeah, well, the beginning is the sperm. Uh, oh yeah talking and flying <laughs> so that might uh maybe, maybe a few years yet before before I yeah yeah that. it might, might might be a few years before that <laughs> uh, all right so just to recap um 972 was the meg 971 was coma 970 urban cowboy 969 bananas 968 land of the dead 967 Animal Kingdom, 966 Olympus Has Fallen, 965 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles on a Half Shell, Turtle Power, 964 (laughs) The Life of David Gale, 963 Big Fish, 962 G.I. Jane, and her ex-husband coming in at 961, Look Who's Talking. All right, any final words, Ando? I don't think so. This was a... Well, maybe a couple of final words. This was an interesting group of films. So much different than my, even though we're only in 10 spot, it's, it's weird how much, like you said before, how much they actually kind of have in common. And it's right. It's interesting. But it's random. Yeah. It's random. It's so random. Cause I don't think about that. I just kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it is interesting because, you know, you get some films that aren't good. Uh, you got some films that, like you said, I, ha- I haven't seen in a while. And one of the reasons why some of these are there, and and then you start thinking when you start thinking of the list, you're like, yeah, is Land of the Dead better than World War Z? No, but <laughs> Land of the Dead had more of an effect on me. Yeah, you know, at the time, you know, so it's weird. It's it's because again, it's not necessarily until we get to the the first five, the the last five hundred top, then you could start. Okay, there's reasons, and there's yeah. there's you can tell, but now it's kind of like a, a free for all. Um. <laughs> well, that's I'm. I'm just. I'm not going to spoil anything. But just looking ahead to what the next the next group of them is, that's an even crazier mix of films than this next one is. I think <laughs> yes, this last is. one has been. It so it's because yeah. like there's some stuff that's very very old in that, and there's some stuff that's very very new in that, and that's it's it's going to be exciting to keep going through this list. I think. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, and I enjoy doing this. And I've always been obsessed with lists and everything. And it just this really um, uh, is fun to do. And it just you know it starts getting you like, oh man, maybe I should rewatch that. Or hey, have you ever seen that? No, I haven't seen. You know, I like that. And it's I'm sure for you, this is you know opening up like, oh my god. <laughs> well, and like I told you before, a lot of these, it's a good reason for me to like. I think since we started, like, since I did the first one, well, in the first one, you guys, I think the first one you and Axel did, I think I had seen all those, but the one Axel and I did, and then these last two, there's been, I bet I've watched five or six movies out of those 30-some movies, because I've had them here, 
just never watched them. So it actually gave me a reason to watch <laughs> right. movies. I've been sitting on my shelf for 10 years. So it's, right. it's, it's nice getting yeah reminders of shit that I forgot mm-hmm. about. So. Right. Well, uh, we're going to take next week off uh, to give some time to percolate and then we'll <laughs> come back the following week. Uh, so we can, uh, you know, cause uh, I may want to rewatch some of the movies on the next block or, you know, think about some things and, uh, yeah, there, there's actually so, quite a few. I'm looking one, two, three. There's at least three or four here I have not seen. So that I that I do want to see, and some that I have that I haven't watched. So I'm I'm excited to excited to get to that. But that's cool. we'll save that for next time. We'll save that for next time. All right. Remember, you can go to dvrpodcast.com, check out all our pods throughout the universe that we have shows and films we've covered, um, and around the couch football podcast. Uh, and if you want to become a patron for a couple bucks a month, you can get early, uh, pods before anyone else ad free, all like free, free, uh, well, you're paying for it, but you know what I mean? Uh, go to (laughs) patreon.com slash DVR. And if you can write us a review, it'd be great. Uh, just gets us noticed more, even just click on a few stars or, you know, write something, Hey, these guys are fun or. These guys suck. Whatever you want to do, you know, reviews are good, um, you know, but hopefully Anthony still kept the pod on um, <laughs> yes. didn't turn it off after we talk about the Meg, uh, but really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, oh, and come Ando. to the Facebook page if, you, if the oh, if yes. people want to get a hold of us. Well, one of us is always lurking around there at some point. So, and we'll definitely see, see anything if somebody wants to comment. Well, I'll try and put, I'll try and put some posts up kind of doing little previews for things that people might want to comment on. So cool. Yeah, daily DVR, uh, and I don't know what's next. I know Axel has been under the weather this week, uh, so next week I think me and him might get together and do a catch-up pod on mm-hmm. TV and film. And we still don't have another show we're covering yet, so we'll continue to film list and uh, take it from there. Yeah, this will fill the gaps for a little while, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ando. And everyone listening, we'll see you next time on The Film List.